Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. You will have heard, of course, in the news there, childcare providers are protesting today, this lunchtime, to call for a plan to try and stop service closures. And I'm trying to figure out why there's a prospect of uh, services having to close down. So to explain, Paula Donoghue is the owner of the Clever Clogs crash in Ballyconnell and Cavan. Paula, you've travelled from Cavan uh, today for the protest. What is it that you're protesting about, though? Thanks very much for having us on. Um, look, I think we need government to really look at their policy regarding childcare and the funding of it. Uh, small to medium-sized crashes are really suffering at the moment and really need an injection of funding immediately. Next year's budget is too late for some of us, myself included. When you look at core funding, core funding was an absolutely excellent idea, really good concept behind it. But the rates for core funding were set pre-inflation hikes. So when core funding came into place last September, it hadn't accounted for the inflationary costs and inputs to services, which really eroded the positivity that core funding had represented itself as. And ju- just, that, Paula, can I just cut across you for a moment? Because I, hmm. I just want just wanted you to explain this. As I see it, there's three different funding streams for childcare providers. The core funding that you've mentioned is the most recent one and the government mm-hmm. also announced um, a hike to that per child. So is it the case that all service, are all service providers in receipt of these three funding streams? Well, you have the ECCE funding stream, which is particularly to um, uh, allow children access free preschool years. Well, some services do do it, some services don't. I personally do. You have, the only other kind of funding stream we have is core funding. The third funding stream you talk about is actually the NCS, which is directed to parents. It has nothing to do with us as providers. It supports parents or subsidises parents' childcare costs. So we really have the two main funding streams, which would be our core funding stream and the ECC stream, uh, funding stream. Now, core funding, as I said to you, was an excellent idea. But with core funding, when we signed up to core funding, we had to accept a fee freeze, which is fair and grand because they are trying to make it affordable. To a fee parents. freeze, sorry, to parents. So if yes, you signed exactly. up to the, the core funding, how, what, how much is that per child? It depends on it, where you are and location, location, location on this one, Andres. I couldn't give you an answer. Um, you know, for my own particular service, it's 170 for my naught to three children and I'm located in Ballyconnell, County Calvin. But so it's 170 set, in rural yeah. Calvin and that's per child per, per month? Per week. Per week. Per week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but my fees were set back in 2017 and they're frozen at that and don't okay. reflect a, a, a the economy of 2023. So we're saying to government, you need to bridge that gap because, you know, with you're trying to run a business. You're actually trying to run a viable business. Yes, and a high quality service, which I have to say I enjoy a really good reputation of my high quality service. But funding in is not matching costs going out. And of that and hundred and, of that hundred and seventy, sorry, Paula. So that's hundred and seventy yeah. for the for the childcare spot in Ballyconnell and Cavan per child per week. Mm-hmm. And you have to pay staff overheads, yes. rent presumably out of this hundred and seventy yes. per head. Yes. Um, Oil, electricity, PPE, because in babies you're still wearing aprons, you're still using kind of hand sanitizer, you're still wearing gloves. And a lot of those prices haven't come down since COVID. So what's the shortfall as you see it then? How much more is needed to bridge this gap? 
uh, that I think the government have to sit down and kind of work out the dialogue with us um, on that one. And, you know, um, I can't tell you what it would take for the government that's something they But you must have, have an idea in your own head if the government well, just came out today and said we'll give you uh, we'll give an extra 30 euro or 40 euro per child is that like I'm just trying to get a sense more of what's I would say for me that would be more than sufficient I would put it to you like this if the euro that currently SIP2 and uh and the employers groups are negotiating a further wage deal for staff, which I'm 100% behind. But if it came in at two euros ahead is what they're asking for, it would actually make my service untenable. So we need the funding. When we signed up to core funding, the department, our government um, said that they would support the funding of staff and funding of the sector. Now, what we have at the moment is an ERO negotiations going on, looking for 15% plus in wage increases. Totally get it and totally behind it. But our government has given us 2%. Those figures don't match. So the government needs to work with us to make these things possible. Um, I mentioned that I, I heard a little earlier today some of your other um, colleagues or providers from around the country talking about the, you know, the, the potential for small crash facilities to close. Like, is that what the future holds, Paula? Yes, 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 and most definitely yes. And I myself are looking, is looking at my not three service and saying it's becoming financially non-viable to run it. Um, so yes, unless we get kind of it's the really a meaningful dialogue from our Department of Children and most especially the Department of Finance, we have to realise that childcare is a cornerstone of a functioning economy. And if we, if our childcare system fails, is it going to have a much wider knock-on effect on the economy in general? So we really need to urgently address these issues across all of Ireland. Yeah, well, I want to stay with this, Paula, because I've been asking from the start of the programme today. I mean, I heard mention of the fact that um, for some parents, it's going to mean that they're going to have to make the decision now whether or not to to leave work, even go back to work after maternity in the basis that they can't get a crash place. So uh, I want to chat to parents who find themselves in this position. Stay on the line, Paula. Sarah is with us as well. Sarah, what issues have you faced with um, in terms of trying to get childcare? Hi there. Yeah, we've moved to a new area two and a half years ago with our two small children. One was an infant up time and I was on maternity leave and our, our older boy was just two and a half at the time. And we had him in a crash and we were commuting probably half an hour every day to keep him in there because we couldn't get a place in, in the area that we moved to. Um, I was due back to work at the, the end of that year. And after being on a waiting list for 12 months, we had never received an offer of a place. So we had no option. I had to go back to work. Not working wasn't an option for us. We needed to pay the bills. Um, we had to go down the route of getting an au pair. Um, you know, we, we tried all the childcare centres in, in the area, even that were a good bit out of our area. And we tried, tried a lot of childminders. I asked in local questions if they knew of childminders that maybe could help us out. We called loads. Nobody had availability for one, let alone two children, to, to be in there in their service. So an au pair was the only option that was left available to us, which we have been doing now for the last year and a half. We have had great success with our au pairs, um, but our preference would still be to get them into a childcare centre if we could. We both work from home regularly and having the children here all day with us is distracting. Mm. You know, it's not easy for them. It's not easy for us. But, you know, we've been lucky that we've had the au pair option and that's what we've been going down. So is it just that there's uh, not enough um, spaces and availability for the number of 
yeah. newborns looking for crash spaces yeah. or newborns, children? Toddlers. I, I, we're, we're still on the waiting list, I believe, two and a half years later, and we've never got an offer of a place. So, what, what, like, when you chat to the, the the owners, the crash owners, Sarah, what what do they, what do they say is the reason for it? Just like when when I was ringing up, you know, when we first moved, saying, you know, we're looking for a space for one child immediately and for a second child in the next year when I was due to go back to work, a couple of them laughed and said, there's absolutely no way you'll be below 50th on the list, especially for two children. Um, and I said, well, I, if I could get one in and we would maybe sort something out for the other one, but we've never, I've never been offered a place. Now, my, my older boy is just finishing up in his preschool, second preschool year now, and he's starting primary school in September, and our younger child is going to be going to the pre for her first preschool year in September. So that's the mornings that will be occupied and we'll ha- you have to use a pair for the afternoon still. Um, but they, they laughed. They said that there's there's more than 50 people ahead of you on the waiting list. So the chances of you getting a call are, are slim. So then at what point are they suggesting, Sarah, you should have, you know, that you, you put the the name on the list if there's that somebody, many? Somebody, somebody joked me saying that I should have called them as soon as I peed on a stick. But sure, we didn't know where we were going to be living you know at the time we were in an apartment with our boy when our second child was due we we, we bought a house and moved um, and like not, affordability isn't an issue necessarily like it would obviously be a stretch to get two children into full-time childcare, but that, it never came into question because we just never got a space and it feels incredible to me that affordability is such a, a, an issue for a service that is in such high demand like look at the housing market there's few houses the prices go up but it's just not an option for childcare providers to put their prices up. It, it's it's a disgrace. It's a crisis. There's no other word to describe it. Mm. It's a crisis. So you obviously hear the childcare providers are are protesting today. Um, yeah. So is that what is that what it'll effectively mean, Paula? Then, like if the likes of yourself has to stop taking children of a certain age, if for other childcare providers it means that they can no longer open their doors, are people is is the au pair is that the solution to this? Surely this is, can't. No, this is the fear. This is the fear. Look, we, we're, on the, we're on the edge of a cliff. It's within the power of the department and the government to bring us back. It's within their power. You heard that parent. I have parents who come crying to me nearly weekly looking for places. Now, I do my very, very best to accommodate all, but I can't. I have a waiting list myself of 27 for July 24. That's my first available space. July 24. Yeah. And that's, look, it's not, I'm really willing. I want to do this. I want, I love, I'm passionate about what I do, but we need support at government level. And yes, the lady is right. In a functioning economy, if prices go up and if things go up, you can, you know, adjust your your business model or you can, mm. you know, raise but your you prices. you can't have the parents can't. Our hands bridge the gap no, but, because of this core fund, no. isn't that why? The government is, the government are going to have to realise that the core funding is not sufficient to, to small to medium sized provisions to keep them viable and sustainable into the future. And that's, that's what we're calling on them. And we're calling on urgently, urgently to listen to us for all of the parents, for all of the economy. This texter here says our local crash can't keep staff. They're all educated to degree level, but they're so badly paid. One girl left yesterday because she got a job at an, um, as an SNA in a local primary school. Better hours, better pay. You can't blame them. Mairead says, I have to stay at home this week 
from work to mind my son because the crasher closed with two weeks notice due to staffing. I pay 1300 quid a month for childcare. I'm disgusted at the government. It's impossible for parents to hold down a job and be treated the same as non-parent employees. John is on the line as well. Um, John is from Bell Childcare in Douglas and Cork. John, I believe you're also at the protest today. I am, Andrea, and thank you for having me on. Yeah, I mean, I felt we had to come to Dublin to, to support this protest for to support other providers, but also support teachers and our parents, because it's very sad listening to that lady who can't find childcare. But this is a common theme across the country. And the problem is, if we can't demonstrate a viable business model, we can't go to the bank to borrow to add capacity to our services. And it's still a private sector. So if the government wants capacity, it's up to us to provide it. And we can only provide it if we have a financial, if we're financially viable. And when we took on the core funding, we were told that the only reason we took this on was to facilitate a better deal for parents and a better deal for teachers. And we went into this with our eyes open. We said, we will agree to a fee freeze because it wasn't an income cap. The government needs to step up and meet the shortfall. And if we're looking at a situation where this ERO, the Employment Regulation Order, increases our base hourly fee by two euros, which I agree with, I think the teacher should be very well paid, but the money has to come from somewhere to meet that demand. And I can't take on an increase in my main cost of 15, 20% with 2% coming in from the government, because at the end of the day, the only place I can turn for additional funding now is the government. And the government are trying to slip out of this because of the ERO. The way it's structured means that employers talk to employees and the government are happy enough to go, oh, well, look, we don't have any hand in this. But yet, when we agreed to the core funding, part of that, the money coming into the sector was to pay wages. So either they're involved or they're not. Make you up know? your mind. As I said, How, what, what's the shortfall in, in, in your eyes, John? Like, what, what's the figure do you think? What funding do you think the government... The government, I've seen figures on this, and if the government, if the two euro pay increase comes in, I think it's got to cost 90 million annually to meet that. And I can't, I can't pay my share of that, and the majority of providers I know can't do that. And I think 15 euros an hour as a base rate should be the minimum, if not higher. But ultimately, the government don't want to pay for this. We are the very bottom of the pile in Europe when it comes to government funding on into the sector. Yet we're incredibly high quality. We're very heavily regulated. And the expectation on us is huge. And it's the classic, I mean, they want champagne on beer money. And we're, we can't do it. Most providers I know have subsidized the younger age group for years. And finally, when we saw core funding, we thought, okay, there's a recognition here for the additional costs associated with taking on the smaller children, which is the zero to three age group. And we thought, okay, finally. That's because they need a higher ratio, isn't it, of staff? Yeah, higher rate. But there's also also sleep rooms required. I mean, of my 4,000 square feet, 2,000 of that is ancillary support between kitchens, sleep rooms, everything else. I have three. Mm. To give you an idea, I have... 43 in a, in a creche, and there are 15 staff members looking after them. I have 87 in the preschool, and I have 17 staff members. So it's, it, the under trees are massively costly to run, and this is where the demand is to get, yeah. I think well, Sarah was your caller's name. Yeah, yeah. no, Sarah, yeah, no, I have another text in from another listener who says, you just finished up my maternity leave due to be going back to work, can't get any creche to take my child that's now 
six months old. I have to take the unpaid leave now just to take time off. I presume that's a common position, is it, John, that people find themselves in? Totally. I mean, we get 30 to 40 inquiries a week. And a lot of them, and it's people are coming to us pregnant. You know, the people who have their finger on the pulse know they have to get on, get on the ladder. But ultimately, we need workers. We need a growing population. We need childcare. And as I said at the beginning, if the government want to grow capacity in the sector, they need to fund the sector. They okay. need to put, give the private businesses, like myself, the wherewithal to go to the bank to borrow to provide that. If Colin's on, do you know what? We're going to take a short break. If you're the parent um, of a, a newborn or a young child or a baby and you're trying to get a childcare spot anywhere in the country, I want to hear from you. 1800 453 106. We'll be back in a few moments. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday on News Talk. We're talking about the owners of independent childcare facilities protesting outside Leinster House today. 1800 453 106 is the number. If you're the parent and you're trying to get your child into a childcare facility, I'd like to hear your story in the programme. Colin is on the line in Lusk. Colin, why did you get in touch about this? Recently, we had we've Lusk is um, uh, it, well. It started as a small town in in North County Dublin, but over over the last twenty years, it's it's grown um, considerably, and we've now nearly eleven thousand people. And um, at, at, currently, we have two crashes in the town, and both are full, and neither uh, both waiting lists are also um, closed. So parents are having to send their um, their children to crashes in Balbriggan and Rush and neighbouring towns. And um, I suppose the two of the developments um, in the town had plans for a crash to be built. And on both occasions, the developer never built the crash and both sites are, are um, still vacant and idle. And there's another development being built and the developer applied to have uh, the planned crash um change to housing and thankfully on this occasion the, the the council refused the application but um like you know it seems in what from what i can see it seems that seems to be something that that happens with with developers that you know they're, they're in their planning their putting in plans for a crash, yeah. but they, they never seem to build. So uh, your contention, though, is that obviously these additional um, childcare facilities were needed to meet the demand of the, well, the that, sprawling town of loss. Yeah, well, that's why there, there was an obligation to, okay. to, to provide them. But, um, are you struggling? The, the, to have you, have you got kids in crash, uh, John? Not anymore, Colin, no. My kids are, are, uh, are, are 13, 14, but um, I guess when we moved into loss first, it was even at that time, it was difficult. And um, the population, it's, it's just growing year on year. There's mm. new developments all over the town and um, and, and still just two, two crashes. So, like, the, the infrastructure needs to be put in. And, uh, like, I, I don't know why those two crashes yeah. weren't built by the okay. developers, but Well, it's been. worth, yeah, it's, it's, it's worth certainly exploring. Um, Tras is on the line too. Stay with us, Colin. Tras is on the line as well. Tras, I believe, Hi, you're, how are you? You're the parent of, um, you have two kids, is that right? Are you affected I, by this? I do, yes. Two boys, aged three and one. So what's your situation at the moment? Um, well, I'm lucky enough to have childcare. Um, I know a lot of parents who haven't been that fortunate. Um, they've been on waiting lists, etc. It's, it's a real challenge. Um, 
I would have signed um, the waiting list for my my eldest son's uh, childcare place when I was still pregnant, and the same again with my my second son, my youngest. So um, I fully appreciate where parents are coming from with with waiting lists. It's ridiculous. And once you get a place, um, you need to be working full time in order to uh, I suppose earn enough to pay the money for the crash because part-time hours and flexible hours and stuff like that is, is not only not offered by providers, um, but also um, disincentivized in the subsidy structures that the government have put out. So uh, all, all in all, um, it's just it's a bit of a nightmare for parents, really. And just on Colin's point about why developers aren't actually mm. putting in the, the, the creches, um, my own, it's just an opinion, but my own opinion on that would be with the way the government has rolled out policy for the last 10 years, and especially since Radical Gorman took over, um, the incentives have all been taken away from providing childcare. You need a lot of money to set up a new uh, childcare facility. And um, you, you are not allowed to increase your fees, etc. So, I mean, you're basically running at a, a level of return that's below inflation and you're frozen there. So it's it's really not a good outlook for independent providers at the moment to go into a brand new, probably expensive facility and just hope that um, the government are going to pay you what it costs to run that service. So it's it's risky and, and I would imagine that's a factor in why those yeah. facilities haven't actually been staffed and like, uh, opened. One of the things I noticed today, um, this is the early learning and uh, the early learning and care and school age childcare providers, mm-hmm. they say about 7% of their services won't reopen now come September due to rising costs and a lack yeah. of funding. And I wonder what do the parents of those, um, of the children in the 7% of those providers that we're talking about, what do they do come September? I mean, part time? You, you, you rely on parents. You rely on parents, uh, na- neighbours. Um, you, you do what you can. I mean, the problem with it, I suppose, is that while you might have the care side of your children's needs satisfied. If they're not in preschool, they're not getting the benefit of the education side, which is obviously crucial mm-hmm. at that age. So, um, yeah, I mean, parents go on waiting lists or they uh, engage in really long commutes to go to another town, as Colin was saying, you know, find any provider because it's an essential public service. It was essential during COVID, but it's always been essential and always will be. So um, until the government stop messing around with, with you know, of headlines and stuff like that and start funding the sector properly, you're going to see okay. independent providers close down. You know, 400 providers have closed down since 2018 um, because the, subs- the payments to providers are below the rate of inflation. So, I mean, the very obvious thing is happening. This shouldn't be headline news really at all. T- Everybody knows what's going on here. T- Texting from another listener who says, I worked as a manager and as a fully trained Montessori for seven years in a full-time crash. I did all the paperwork, which went into the early hours, staff burning out, trying to support them. I earned €10.50 an hour. I left as I couldn't do it anymore. So I understand parents' frustration, but staff in childcare facilities um, are not supported, says this listener. Karen is... Karen is with us on the line too. Karen, you are the founder of um, Tigers Childcare. Is it something that's impacting your business? Oh, it's hugely impacting. And, you know, it seems like that there's a huge problem and there is a huge problem, but I mean, it all relies on the same solution. You know, to have good quality early years, education and care, you need three things. You need well-educated colleagues that will stay in the same setting to nurture and care for the same children who can build relationships with them. You need 
good environments that are well equipped, you know, and you need more and more of those, as you can hear on your on your line. Um, and you need parents and families to be supported adequately. And that means making sure that all types of families can access services. And that all relies on obviously money and it comes, the money comes in from two sources, privately through families and then supported by government. And the problem is in here, there's a rising cost and nobody's fitting the bill. We can't put up the fees for parents, nor should we, by the way, because it's, you know, the cost of childcare is astronomical for parents. But the government also isn't fitting in. And so profit lines are just reducing and reducing and reducing. We can't keep our colleagues because we can't pay them well enough. And when you're looking at the reason for the non-opening of new centres, we can't staff them. I have a, a brand new purpose-built centre out in Dublin 18. Can't open it because I couldn't hire the 22 staff to get in there that I'd need to be Okay, to so that, that example that um, one of our earlier callers, callers Colin, gave, um, you're in that position then where you, you have a facility, but you, you can't open the doors. You Absolutely. Can't get staff. So... Any new facilities that, that are being sold in the marketplace, they're being sold what's called shell and core. So without a fit out, so to fit out a good quality childcare facility to the standard that it needs, you're talking about about a million euros and the rental on top of that. So as you can imagine, you know, it's a quite a high cost to even just get off the ground. And then you can't staff it, um, you know, and there's a, there's a, you know, a lead up to getting the place full and making it sustainable. So new opening new services at the moment for childcare providers, it's, you know, unless you have a very full waiting list and unless you have some staff that you have hidden away somewhere, it's it's almost impossible to open no, new services. And it's not the kind of thing, I mean, look, nobody's suggesting, that, and not that you are, that, you know, cutting corners is obviously strict criteria, you know, um, and regulation in place and, and, and for good reason as well. But I suppose with that, as you've pointed out, Karen comes, you know, it comes with a, um, a fairly, you know, hefty price tag as well. And there's a cost opening the doors of, of childcare facilities. Sarah's joining us as well, Karen. We've another Sarah on the line. Um, you're a parent, Sarah, is that right? Hi, yeah, yeah. I'm a parent. My little fellow just finished ECC and Cherry Blossom Montessori. And I've just watched like how they've struggled throughout the pandemic, throughout currently. And I've seen five local places close down. And it's literally like anyone who goes into childcare, I think you'll agree, it's a vacation. It's not that they're in it for the money, but they need to take some salary home. And at the moment, they're struggling to break even. And it's mainly the small, predominantly female-run businesses that are becoming bankrupt and having to close. And it's devastating. And I'm really concerned about people who've put everything into their business, who like now are struggling themselves. And having to let down all the people that they've worked so hard to support, their staff, the parents, like, you know, it seems like the government are not supporting the small businesses, like there's enterprise weeks, you know, there's all the talk about supporting women in business. But when it comes down to it, I would love to see one of any of the ministers who are making these decisions run a play school or a Montessori for a day or an hour even. And I'd say they may rethink their decisions. What what's needed, Karen? What what's the makeup? Like what's the shortfall in your eyes that's required here to to make businesses like, sustainable? Yeah, you need. What firstly we need there needs to be listening to the sector. I mean, I got a very flat response to a letter I wrote to the minister this morning, um, telling me all the wonderful things he's doing, but still not listening to the issues that are at hand. Talking about engagement that he has in the sector, but actually, you know, you can engage with the sector, but engaging and listening to the sector are two very different things. The, f- the fact is here, fees for parents shouldn't go up. 
you know, there was promises made that fees wouldn't come up. And so the cost has to be covered somewhere and it has to be covered by government. At the moment, we spend less than 0.5% of GDP in early years. The recommended OECD average is 1% of of GDP. There's no point. We have fabulous policies that the government are falling over themselves to say they put in place. But if you put policies in place that don't work and aren't adequately funded, the whole thing falls over. At the end of the day, the first thing that that gets pulled, if if everyone's trying to, you know, make ends meet and be sustainable, Mm. is quality care. And we're going to go back to things like we saw on prime time, and nobody wants that. The other point you know, that the texters are making too, um, I should say as well, uh, Karen. Like, uh, you know, where's the the messages there a few moments ago? Oh yeah, this, you know, like the, the lack of places is also affecting the older generation. Grandparents are going to be called on to mind babies and toddlers full time because there'll be no other option. You know, it's the best spend of government money is in early years because it has such a cost-saving effect down the line and all of the other interventions that they have to put in. I mean, our children deserve really high-quality education and care. And our colleagues that are dedicated to doing that have gone back and retrained and continue to retrain continually. They deserve to be paid correctly. And the fact that anyone would question that we put our money into the most important children in society, the most important people in society... I just can't fathom it because we should be putting money in there. Karen, Karen Clint's founder of Tigers Childcare, Trassa, Colin, um, Sarah was also with us there too a few moments ago. Look, this protest is currently underway outside uh, at Leinster House in Dublin today. I'm sure you'll hear much more analysis about that as well. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.